In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear friends in Christ, there are two kingdoms that you are a citizen of. You are a citizen of a worldly kingdom. For most, if not all of us, you're a citizen of the United States of America with all the rights and the benefits citizenship holds. And at the very same time, then, you are a citizen of God's kingdom with all the rights and benefits that citizenship holds. You're both at the same time, a citizen here in the world and a citizen in heaven. And each kingdom has its own purpose and thereby requirements for you. Each kingdom is governed by a different commandment. The worldly kingdom is governed by the fourth commandment. And God's heavenly kingdom is governed by the third commandment. You're citizens of both. And in our gospel lesson for today, Jesus commands you to act as a Christian in both of those kingdoms. He says it this way, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and render to God the things that are God's. It's really a beautiful answer to a trick question that was posed to him by both the Pharisees and the Herodians, a political group and a church group. They come to Jesus to trick him on purpose. Should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? If Jesus answered and said, no, you should not pay taxes to Caesar, he would be denying the fourth commandment that places authorities over us. And not only would he be denying a part of God's word, he also would have become a political enemy to Emperor Tiberius, whose picture was on the denarius coin with these words, Tiberius, the son of the divine Augustus. Had our Lord said, yes, you must pay taxes because the state is supreme over you, he would have denied the third commandment by replacing God with a sinful, worldly government. And what's more, he would have angered and been despised by the average Jewish person who hated the occupying Roman forces and their unjust taxation without representation. So Christ gives them the perfect answer. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Render to God the things that are God's. In other words, you are citizens of both kingdoms. Act like it. But that leads us to much headache and heartache and uncertainty today, doesn't it? I mean, what does it mean that I'm supposed to render to Caesar? 
What things am I supposed to give to Washington? And what do I render to God? And how do I render things in the first place? To understand that question, we need to understand each one of these two kingdoms and how our citizenship fits inside of them. First, let us look at our civil government. And I believe this is important considering the events of the last few months. We've had an election. We've faced a new virus. We've had rioting in the streets of our communities and towns, even some last night. And these events have dramatically affected our understandings of the role of government. First off, let me say this. Our civil government derives its authority from God. God allows civil government to exist. And he does so for our good. The job of the government is to serve the citizens of its nation. They do so in many ways. They defend the citizens of our nations against enemies, foreign and domestic. They create and defend borders to keep the Canadians up in Canada and all the others where they belong as well. They institute police and fire protection to protect our property and our lives against thieves and vandals and murderers. They govern and regulate commerce so that citizens deal honestly with one another. No cheating, no theft by deception. They install judges to determine what's right and wrong in conflicts without there needing to be bloodshed or duels or fights where the bigger always wins. And the civil government punishes those who violate the law of the land, imprisoning them, at times putting people to death and rendering verdicts. These things are good. And they are the purpose for which God has installed civil government over us. Yes, our government derives its authority from God. And so, in those ways that I've just talked about, government can be a great blessing to us. And at the same time, in our fallen world, our government is full of sinful people, just like you and me, who are always tempted not to serve their neighbors, but instead to serve themselves. 
And so we must always watch government carefully. Government workers and citizens of a nation should fight back against sin and do everything that needs to be done in service to the citizens of the land, all of it under the authority of God. One does not enter the government purposefully to grow rich, even though they might become rich. Government does not exist to give huge amounts of power to small, little individuals, even though government by necessity has power in this world. Government is to rule for your good, to keep you safe, to defend you against those who have no regard for God's commands. It derives its authority from God. And that means that you as citizens should pray for your leaders, whether you like them or not. You should pray for your leaders, either that they remain faithful in their service to you and your neighbors, or at times to pray that wicked servants are removed from the land if they fail to care for the citizens, if they fail to repent of their wickedness, if they seem to be serving only themselves rather than the country. You pray for your leaders. And you as a citizen are to obey the government insofar as it does not disagree with God's word. That may mean at times you face persecution. And you as a citizen are free to participate in government however you see fit. You're free to vote, as we did a couple weeks ago. You're free to run for office if you think you could serve. You're free to work as a bureaucrat. You're free to obey the laws of our land in service to your neighbor. And at the same time, you as a Christian know the truth. Government is not God. Government is not your savior. Government cannot keep you perfectly safe. Government cannot stop you from dying. Government is not eternal or sacred or perfect. And you shouldn't believe that it is. In fact, you should repent of believing any of those things. You must repent of thinking that any one politician or political party is the answer to all of your problems. They're not. You must repent of the belief that government is above God rather than the other way around.
government derives its authority from God and from Him alone. And the Psalms teach better to put your trust in God than to trust in princes. And you must pray for our government. Pray that it will cease the things that it has legalized that are actually wickedness against God's word. For example, the government, as we mentioned earlier, has the authority to take the life of those who are evil to protect the other citizens of the land from violence. But at the same time, according to God's word, the government does not have the authority to take the lives of the innocent, the unborn, or the elderly simply for convenience. God's word is clear. The government does not have the authority to redefine the things that God makes clear. The definition of marriage in the sixth commandment, for example. The government does not have the authority to look the other way when there's riots that damage property or endanger people's lives or well-being in violation of the fifth commandment and the seventh commandment. God's word is clear. And the government does not have the authority to go against God's word in permanently or even semi-permanently stopping the true worship of God or removing theological discourse or prayer from society. God's word is clear. And the government should not blasphemously declare itself to be your only hope or your savior. Neither Trump nor Biden is your God. Do not believe that. It's blasphemy. And so you must pray that the government repents of these evils, even as you yourself repent of them, so that you may believe God's word and look to Jesus, the one whom that word proclaims. That's how you render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And as you do so, repenting, praying, and participating in our worldly government, you must also remember the second half. That you are a citizen of heaven, as Paul says in the epistle lesson. You must render to God the things that are God as well. God's kingdom 
you are also a citizen of. And God's kingdom was hard won by the suffering and death of Jesus. Christ our Lord was born, took on our human flesh, and from the moment of his conception until the moment of his death, he submitted himself to worldly government. Even at times to dishonest rulers. He was falsely accused and arrested by an unjust government for you. He was tried in an impartial court for you. He was convicted of crimes that he did not commit for you. He was whipped and bloodied for things that he had not done. He was crucified and killed in a perfectly legal, though unjust, system. And all of that was done for you, to forgive you, to rescue you, to purchase and win your heavenly citizenship, now and forevermore. You belong now to God as well. God's kingdom is ruled by Christ, who overcame the world and all that exists in it. God's kingdom is not a kingdom ruled by force. It has no prisons or jails. It needs no police or fire protection. It is governed by grace and mercy and peace that flows from the wounds of Jesus Christ and covers all of your sin, guilt, and shame so that it's no longer clinging to you. You are clothed with Christ's righteousness in God's kingdom. Perfect, holy, blessed. And God's kingdom is not temporary or imperfect. It will last forever without any sorrow, war, hunger, plague, or death. God's kingdom even exists perfectly without bureaucrats and their sinful, selfish actions. It's ruled by Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, as Isaiah says. And the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You, dear Christian, are a citizen of that kingdom also. Even now and forevermore. You are a Christian, 
You may not fully see God's kingdom here and now, especially in the midst of all the distractions of our earthly world, but God's kingdom is right here, right now. When God's word is preached into your ears, you hear and believe and rejoice in your heavenly citizenship. You have been made a citizen of God's kingdom here and now already in the waters of holy baptism. You participate in God's heavenly kingdom each Sunday morning and Wednesday evening when you hear God's word and sing his praises in response. You even already eat of the heavenly food which God has prepared as you kneel here at this altar and receive the body and blood of Jesus for forgiveness, life, and salvation. You are a citizen now and always of God's heavenly kingdom. His perfect governance, world without end. You, dear Christian, have dual citizenship. And therefore, Christ's words are perfect for us to hear. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, keeping the fourth commandment until your earthly citizenship comes to its end. Obeying our earthly rulers, praying for them, serving our fellow citizens. And at the same time, rendering to God the things that are God's. Keeping the third commandment, receiving word and sacrament, and rejoicing as we return to faith peace, comfort, and joy provided by God, earned by Jesus, your King himself. You are citizens of both kingdoms. And you're free to live as Christians therein. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.